just what does it take to successfully market sustainable products to consumers right now? It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello and welcome. It's great to have you tuning in. I met one of today's guests when I chaired a panel on sustainability at the UK's Retail Without Borders conference earlier this year. Thomas had some brilliant insights to share and he's on the show with co-founder Hugo to help us all work out how to get our sustainability message out there. Now, yes, they are a business who are technically pre-launch, but over the last year, they've been doing a huge amount of research into consumer habits, consumer trends, what their target customers are doing. And I thought before they they get fully mired in their launch activity later this summer, we get their brains into this podcast to share with you their approach to marketing a sustainable business and sustainable brand. It's really fascinating. And if you're currently running a sustainable brand, their platform is going to be another opportunity for you to sell your goods too. Before we get into all of that, though, with some really cool advice coming up, please do check out the sponsors. Getting an online business off the ground is not easy. So if you find yourself working late, tackling a to-do list that's a mile long with your fifth cup of coffee by your side, remember, great email doesn't have to be complicated. That's what Clavio is for. It's the email and SMS platform built to help e-commerce brands earn more money by creating genuine customer relationships. Once you set up a free Clavio account, you can start sending beautiful branded messages in minutes, thanks to drag and drop design templates and built-in guidance. And with e-commerce specific recommendations and insights, you can keep growing your business as you go. Get started with a free account at clavio.com forward slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. And now to introduce today's special guests. Thomas Panton and Hugo Douglas-Dean are the co-founders at Greener, where they're building the UK's most accessible and comprehensive sustainable shopping marketplace. Founded in 2021, they're going live to consumers this summer. Hello, Thomas and Hugo. Hello, Chloe. Hello, Chloe. Great to have you all here. Um, how did each of you, I'm going to ask you each how you got started in e-commerce. We're going to start with you, Hugo, if that's okay. How did you end up in this world of e-commerce? I've always worked in, uh, in digital marketing, really. Um, being a uh, quote-unquote young person, that, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm 18 at all. I'm very much not. But um, being, being young enough, you know, you're, you're designated to the, to the digital role. So I've always worked in digital marketing, but this is um, a newer thing for me, e-commerce specifically, very much the tools and the toolkit for uh, digital marketing. Excellent. And Thomas? Yeah, I think um, from my old business, so um, I founded a company before Greener called Festovers. We upcycled leftover festival tents. And during when the pandemic came, I had loads of tents which needed to be sold or rented out or something to do with them. Um, so ended up using on other online marketplaces to do that. And then the next progress of Festovers was to deal with the sort of symptom, uh, the cause of the problem, which is, you know, buying better to begin with. So that's when sort of went into greener and, and full sort of e-commerce and marketplace rather than just dipping my toes in. 
I love that phrase, buying better in the first place. I might, I might have to start using that quite a lot. <laughs> That's a great way of putting it. And I think probably the hardest thing to get consumers to do is to buy better first. I know it's the, the thing I find hardest. So maybe we'll get onto that in a moment or two. First off, let's find out about Greener. Where in the world is Greener based and where are you intending on selling to? Cool. Yeah. So greener.co.uk um, is based in the UK at the moment. Um, so we source products which are sold and distributed in the UK from ethical vendors and their sustainable products. And we sell to UK consumers um, pr primarily because then they're distributed on land um, without needing to take any air miles or any long distance distribution. Obviously, in the future, there are much grander plans to break into other markets around the world. Um, but for this initial sort of launch and sort of first year of uh, sort of getting off the ground, it's UK businesses for UK consumers. It's an interesting sustainability net zero angle, that, isn't it? Should should I be buying goods from another country? Should I even be considering expanding overseas? It's. I, I feel like in e-commerce at the moment, we have like we're working on the really obvious sustainability stuff and then there's gonna be a phase two which may phase two may include things like should i be selling overseas is there a good way to do it and a bad way to do it because of the fact the goods have to travel and then step three will be should some of these businesses exist but we're not we're not <laughs> we're not there yet i don't want to, anyone to get totally freaked out right yeah. now but that internationalization piece is a is a really naughty problem if you want to yeah. control your carbon I think that, you know, ultimately, I think that I take the stance and we take the stance as a company that instead of trying to change consumer consciousness and in trying, instead of trying to get them to change their habits, which can take decades, if not centuries um, of time, we feed into those habits, but offer them the same accessibility and same solutions that they're already using in a more sustainable way. And that internationalization of e-commerce or sales is being dealt with at all points of that industry. So whether that's the source of the materials to the manufacturing, to how they're distributed, to sort of who's selling them. And I think that from our perspective, initially, it's about bringing those ethical brands, those sustainable products. But, you know, we're already having the conversations with partners who are able to offer more sustainable delivery, both locally and that sort of wider market as well, which is exciting, right? Because as those sort of industries expand and become more sustainable, it makes selling internationally and globally much more sustainable and much more accessible as well. It's very unrealistic to try and take a, a big leap backwards and say, oh, no, you're not allowed to buy from these places that you've been buying from the last 20 years anymore. It, it doesn't work like that. So so that's why we're sort of taking that stance. Excellent. We, well, we may well deal, delve into all that very much. There's about 20 questions I want to ask you off the back of that, but we're going to pour, put a pin in that for a moment. Um, and the, the products that you're allowing, I guess, allowing merchants to sell because you're vetting them to be sustainable first. We've obviously had on the podcast before Austin from Dayrise talking about their kind of semi-automated way of vetting products and reporting on products to give them a sustainability score. Some businesses think they should go auto, you should go automated to do this. Others think it should be a manual process. Either way, it's complex, time-consuming, a barrier to entry, I suppose, for people to, to sell on your site. But it's the thing which gives you the trust that the consumers have in you to eventually keep coming back and buying. So how are you tackling 
working out which merchants, which products you're allowing to sell. Yeah. So I think that balance is super important. You can't have it too time consuming or complicated because you can end up putting off a lot of really great companies which are selling some really great products. Um, but at the same time, you can't be not doing your due diligence because then the whole trust aspect and the whole pr- proposition of your business falls through. Dayrise is a really interesting case study. They've done a really good job at making it pretty thorough. We've taken the route of making it slightly more accessible to more people, but also mixing in that sort of automation with manual review. So essentially for for our vendors, they have to go through a vetting process, which will vet them on both business and product. Um, And that'll be a number of questions from third-party verification and certifications all the way to sort of materials and location of those materials um, and how those materials are made, uh, products are made. And then what we do is that will be condensed and we will ask for evidence for certain things uh, that we need evidence for and then assuming that they've got that evidence which they should have if they've said yes to that to those answers then we can very easily sort of go through and and review that quite quickly actually Um, and what's really exciting for us is the more that this industry grows the easier it becomes to like incorporate machine learning into that right you know if we find a a company that's selling a similar product to another product on our site and they've got similar certifications or similar verifications it's very easy to cross-reference those and have them ticked off automatically and then we will do quarterly reviews on all the products that are on our platform right so so you end up with this sort of due diligence ongoing so taking advantage of the certifications that are out there and doing the manual bits that you need to which i suppose it's also good news for the merchant and the creator of the products because you can essentially do the bulk of your certification once or twice and then it will open up additional selling opportunities so um yeah nice nice approach and um what does the team look like because you're at an interesting point you haven't yet started selling to the end consumer but you've been going for for over a year now uh here on the podcast we've got Thomas the CEO Hugo the CMO who else is is helping you on this? Because uh, there must be more than just marketing going on. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. We've been really blessed with the people that we've worked with and um, have access to. Just on a side note before going into the team, you know, we have access to a huge network from our connections at the University of East Anglia, um, where I study an MSc in climate change. So a huge amount of expertise and knowledge that we can tap into and use to add to that sort of backing up of our claims, right, which which is super helpful for transparency. When it comes to the internal team, you've got, yeah, me, um, CEO and founder, Hugo, CMO and co-founder. And then we also have a third co-founder, um, Emma, who's a CTO, so our, our techie. The reason she's not here is because she is a classic techie and loves just coding from day till <laughs> dusk till dawn. <laughs> um, but she's great and she brings that expertise in in sort of that third part of the model, you know, um, of a classic e-commerce or, or big marketplace, which isn't just selling, you know, it's marketing, it's tech, um, and then it's sort of sales and brand as well. And then, and then we're, we're, we've worked with some really great people on the sort of exterior of that. So we've had three great interns, Nadia Arif, um, Hannah Barnes, and currently Lucien Tan, and they've all taken various different roles. So from branding to finance to, you know, modeling of, of, valuations all the way to sort of <laughs> breaking us into TikTok um, and reaching out to the next generation uh, of, of sort of content. Yeah, people who are consuming content. Um, and then we have great advisors as well. So, you know, we've 
the ex-retail director of Jules Monsoon Burton, current retail director of Anthony Nicholas Group sits on our board of advisors. We've got the founder of an award-winning e-commerce agency based in Norwich. Um, and we've got a well-experienced um, NED advisor to startups and scale-ups um, across the tech industry as well on that board, as well as talking to a number of others, you know, from Depop to the body shop to Mothercare to, you know, all of these companies which have great experience, which can offer us the advice and fill the gaps which we don't have. So as much as we've got an internal team working on this, we are incredibly lucky to have the valuable expertise of people working on the outside to help us progress the business rapidly and and efficiently as well. Nice. You are well set up there, aren't you? Which I think I think a lot of people think that a start, starting a startup doesn't require many people sometimes, you know. But actually, if you've got as big an opportunity ahead of you as you guys have got, then you've got to get the right minds and the right connections in place from day one. I want to pivot us now into uh, talking about the primary topic we're here to to talk about, which is the marketing side of it. Because this is the bit which, I don't know if it's because I'm an e-commerce marketer or if this is because it really is the most difficult bit, probably a bit of both. But it strikes me that the most difficult thing to do at the moment, because of where we're at in people's level of adaption to a climate change world, because of what's happening economically with recession, prices going up, food supply issues and all the rest of it, when that happens, we already mentioned it's it's hard to work out how to buy sustainability, which is why you're creating greener. But it also, I think, um, you know, when when you've got all these other distractions and pressures and all the rest of it, people go to what they know rather than putting in the extra legwork to find something else, even if that legwork is only going to a different website because you've done the rest of the legwork for them. So I think that how we convert consumers or how we re-educate them and how we help them make better decisions in this moving marketplace, which to be honest, Thomas, you did a great job of explaining how complicated it is when you're talking about do we sell internationally or not. That I think is is the most difficult bit. Obviously, when when I'm normally talking to a marketplace, I always think marketplaces are hard because you've got the chicken and the egg. You've got to try and get both the merchants, the people who have the products, and you've got to get the consumers. In your case, I think getting the merchants is going to be pretty easy because the sustainability space is so collaborative and so helpful and so into it. I think getting merchants isn't going to be an issue. Product is going to come quite easily. or not easily, but it's, it's not going to be hard to find at least. But the difficult, more difficult bit is going to be finding the consumer. And I know that you've been doing a huge amount on trying to work this out. So I guess the the interesting thing I found just looking at your homepage as it is right now is the big message there is about how green is going to make your life easier, how you're going to help people make better decisions more so than if you use greener, you'll save carbon, you'll do this. It's You're less pushing the sustainability angle than the helpful angle. Um, Hugo, is that intentional? And have you found so far that that's going to be a more resonating message with your with your target market? Yeah, I think you, you touched on a great thing there that is a very kind of insightful thing there that that is around consumer behavior. And I sort of like go back to the kind of classic on behavioral psychology, Daniel Kahneman's thinking fast and slow, and that kind of importance of recognizing and appealing to cognitive ease. 
Um, so that's something that, you know, we are really just trying to tackle with sustainability because a huge amount of consumers don't really understand sustainability. Um, there's, there's plenty of stats on that. And so it's sort of just trying to take those shortcuts for them uh, and present them with the information that's, that's, that's clear and that helps them make those decisions. You know, generally, there is a huge, huge level of intent when it comes to um, consumers looking for sustainable options. Um, you know, a YouGov poll recently found that 70% of, cons- of, of consumers will abandon brands that do not take sustainability, uh, sustainability seriously. So, you know, there is, there is a lot of intent there. But it's the question of how does that intent convert into action, and and so one of the, one of our one of our kind of solutions, one of the ways that we're doing this is is by making it much much easier for consumers to understand understand, understand this stuff. And you know, part of that is just putting all these brands and all these amazing products in one place. Uh, you know, they're all out there. They're they're, they're incredible. They're doing amazing uh, innovative things. Um, it's just making it easier for for customers to do that. So, I think, you know, that is. A challenge um, that ease and accessibility, and that's something that we always wanted to tackle. I mean, obviously, one of the biggest barriers within that, and it is part of that, really, is price. You know, as, as you as you mentioned, looking at where we are in the world and 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 um, financially where we are, price is is a barrier to to buying more sustainable. And I'll talk in a in a little bit about some of the ways we try and show the value of ethically made goods. But actually, one of one of our key um, messages that we sort of really we're going to really start focus on more is, is is around buying better, and and another another important thing to to mention here is the sort of uncertainty heuristic. So you kind of kind of touch and touch on it there, which is all about um, avoiding sort of ambiguous outcomes. So you know you don't often buy the cheap branded TV, even though it might be cheaper because of the five percent chance it might completely fail on you, uh, or your friends might laugh at you, or whatever, whatever it is. Um, you know there are certain certain um, aspects there in, in why we choose the things that we choose. Now we can fight this for a number of means uh, as marketers. Um, we can obviously build brand awareness and therefore trust. I think everyone knows about that. Building up those memory structures to create familiar, familiarity, and then but then we, we obviously have a few things that we can do really practically. Uh, like providing social proof on the page with reviews and videos and things like that, but yeah, again, it's it's about you know trying to trying to combat that that confusion that that people have. So you know, this is why we knew that from the beginning it had to be about education and raising awareness uh, and making it easy for people. Yeah, I think that the uncertainty heuristic is such a big thing about trying a new brand, and I think there's that kind of historic viewpoint that we have that if it's if it's a bit green greener not your brand with the extra <laughs> e in there so, so not g-r-e-e-n-r but g-n g-r-e-e-n-e-r um there's that assumption it's not going to be as good you know that, like the, the green washing powder isn't going to do as good a job washing your clothes or the green deodorant isn't actually going to work but you'll feel better for using it and i think we've we're in the process of moving well, we are in the process of, of moving to a place where actually those products are as good. But I think that that reticence, both there's the, oh, it's a new brand. I'm not sure I'm ready for that. It's different. I'm not sure I'm ready for, you know, washing powder in sheets or whatever it may be. But there's also that whole, it's just, just something new. So what do you think are the, are the key ways for, for getting the customer past those hurdles? Is it the we're here to help you, we're here to save you time to make it really clear on that front? Yeah, I think um, one of the things that, again, I mentioned there is it's around the better, buying better. And I think that's one of the key things that we're, we're going to be using really to sort of position this. And I think, 
you know, at the end of the day, price, yes, will always be one of those top deciding factors, you know, it will be, you know, price, uh, cost and convenience, that kind of thing. But for us, it's about selling better products. Now, that doesn't just mean better for the environment. It means better for you because you get a great product, a beautifully made product um, that you love that is made with care. I mean, and that I really want to stress that because, you know, w- when you look at sustainably made products, there is a, a byproduct of, of looking at every single part of your supply chain is that you you understand it and you and you you care about it and you care about every single part of that. So, you know, there's something that just comes from that. Uh, and that is that you get a better product really at the end of the day. But it's also better over time. You know, it lasts longer. It's more durable. There are less loose threads. You know, I think there are so many indicators like that that, that fall into that better um, that better thing. And, and there's a really interesting white paper from um, Think with Google uh, where they highlight the search trends for best versus the search trends for cheap over time. And, and those queries for best have gone up about 100% uh, while, while cheap have decreased at a similar rate. Um, so, you know, it just goes to show that consumers are looking for better products that last longer, that they value, and that they have a deeper connection with. So you just mentioned about what consumers are looking for and the types of consumers. So I want to dive into that for a second, and then we'll come back to the price piece. I interviewed a while back um, the CMO from Grove Collaborative, which is a huge US brand doing sustainable cleaning products. And they are still very much focused on the people who already know they want a sustainable cleaning product. They're going over the already converted. So for you, Grove, obviously in the States, that's a lot more people than it is here because that's the size of the country. Are you going to go after the masses to re-educate them? Or are you going to go after the already converted, those who are already trying to be more sustainable? Like, if I could just come in, I, I think that there's a really good argument for going for people who are already converted to sustainable shopping. Um, I mean, in the UK, um, the co-op does an ethical consumer report. And in 20 years, ethical consumerism grew 400% compared to household spending only growing by 2%. Um, and they valued the market of all ethical consumerism, including energy, cars, all of these things, um, at £121 billion in the UK alone. However, Everything points us to show that we have to move to more sustainable sources of any any product, whether it's service-based or whether it's consumer product-based. And that's not just because of people wanting it, but also because of regulations, changes in in sort of government codes, changes in sort of transparency, rules on greenwashing. All of these things point to that changing anyway. But on top of that, for Greener specifically, we have sort of a... uh, a very basic model on this, which is that initially you obviously have those loyal customers that come from looking for sustainable products already. You know they're going to buy those products because that's what they're already looking for. However, as the market grows and as sort of transparency and awareness grows, you are able to tap into the wants and needs of other people and not necessarily by selling that sustainability piece, but by selling that better piece. And that's exactly what Hugo's touching on, on everything he said back a minute ago, which is that instead of trying to get them to shift what they're buying in the sense of, oh, I don't want to buy this product, I want to buy a completely different product because of its sustainability, you're actually tapping into, well, you're buying this product anyway, this is the same product, but it's better quality and it's more sustainable. And then it doesn't seem like such a big cognitive change for the everyday consumer, because they're already buying that product. 
impact. And so this is Greener's mission is is less to do with trying to convert more people and more to just allow people to shop how they want. But actually, the products that they're buying are coming from a better place. And that's why we aggregate them. That's why we vet them. And then that's why we position the brand as less to do with you know, your home for ethically made, homely, sustainable, wishy-washy products and <laughs> and more. Look, here's a marketplace which has amazing products from brands which really care about what they're making. And it just so happens you're buying these products anyway. So instead of typing into your search bar, search bar com <laughs> without naming anyone, you come to greener.co.uk um, and, and you can get that product and every other product, um, but at the same price point or, or, or slightly higher, um, but you're buying a better product overall. Very nice. And I'm going to come back to Hugo now for the last question before we head towards the top tip. So we're going to come back to that price bit um, because I guess the, the price angle fits in very much with that buying better piece, doesn't it? If we get them to buy the right thing, then the price is less important than if they're buying the wrong thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think more and more people are switching off from, you know, the leading e-commerce platform, which starts with an A and goes through a Z, because people are noticing the quality dropping. Um, and I think people are starting to recognize that, again, coming back to that thing, the Google piece, the quality over over the, the cheap, uh, you know, false economy type, type deal. Um, and so, I mean, there are a few ways that we'll, we'll be looking at how we can kind of reduce that cognitive load, that, that kind of those barriers to, uh, oh, you know, it's a little bit more expensive. Well, guess what? You know, there's all this clear labeling to show that, you know, this product meets X, Y, Z, um, and we've done that for you. And then, uh, that, that, you know, they're checked for their credentials. Um, and then part of that is also showing out our scientific rigor. You know, we provide stats to show how the products you buy on greener save plastic, save water, reduce carbon, all that kind of good things compared to the mainstream options. So we do that at the checkout stage as well, so that you're kind of giving giving every user that really positive validation for what, what they're doing. Um, and I think we've seen that with delivery options. You know, if you give customers uh, the option to take a longer delivery option, but but tell them why and why that's better for the environment, they'll often oftentimes take that because uh, they see the value in it. And I think, you know, as marketers, that's a really good takeaway from that in, in that, you know, there is a huge value we can provide as marketers in the kind of softer way of helping customers see the value of sustainability, um, of telling the story of that particular brand, providing that extra value. You know, on the quicker side, a great metric for looking at that kind of excess value we can create as marketers is ease of excess share of voice, which is, you know, the amount of people that are talking about your brand versus your actual market share. And you know, that, that itself leads to a, a larger market share over time. Um, so it's that kind of that value of, of brand value that we can provide by by going telling the story and, and saying look, look at how great this product is and how great this brand is look at all the care they put into that. Um, so you know it's kind of taking taking down those barriers to, to buying better that is exactly what we're all about. E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. The subscription market is predicted to grow to nearly 500 
billion dollars by 2025. Recharge is the leading subscription management solution helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale their subscription offerings. Recharge powers the growth for over 15,000 subscription merchants, turning one-time transactions into long-term customer relationships. Whether you're a direct-to-consumer business or an omnichannel brand, subscriptions strengthen your brand's relationship with your customers and make it easy for consumers to make repeat purchases, bringing you predictable revenue, increased customer loyalty, and higher average order values. Turn transactions into relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. You can get started today with the subscription payment solution trusted by over 50 million subscribers worldwide by heading over to rechargepayments.com forward slash masterplan. Ever wondered how your business is doing compared to other businesses in your sector? Are you on track or behind the pack? Well, now's the time to find out what's going on in your market. There's a fantastic new benchmark service for retail e-commerce businesses from the customer and marketing analytics experts, Sweet Analytics. Participants sign up online. It's free, only takes two minutes to set up and your data is secure and anonymous. Sweet online retail index results are available daily and a weekly summary email summarises results and provides a full market view. You will always know where you sit against the pack. Sign up now with Sweet online retail index and find out if your business is on track. Sign up at benchmarks.sweetanalytics.com that's benchmarks with an S and sweet like sugar. So go to benchmarks.sweetanalytics.com now. It's time, it's time for the Top Tips Round. Okay, I love this section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. Thomas and Hugo, are you ready? Yeah, we're ready. Excellent. Good answers. Um Hugo, you're going to be answering the book top tips. So if everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? This is a small book. So, you know, just I'm reducing your cognitive um, cognitive load there. Um, <laughs> but it's in the Do series. It's um, Do Purpose by David Hyatt. I'm a big fan of David Hyatt. I think he's great, um, great copywriter, great marketer. And uh, one of his companies is, is, is Do, the Do series. Um, and this one is, a, is full of loads of really brilliant little reminders about why having values and a strong purpose as a brand leads to trust, uh, leads to long-term brand building, keeps you focused on the things that really matter. And that doesn't mean tacking on purpose to your business. I think, you know, that's uh, become very fashionable to do at the moment um, with sustainability sort of in, in the zeitgeist. Um, but it's about building it into your company, how you act and how you talk, and especially how you talk in a meaningful way. It's just one of those books which I come back to just to remind myself, you know, what are the real things that I can do to um, to improve my marketing every day. Very nice recommendation. And we love a short book. Um, <laughs> Hugo, you're also going to do the traffic top tip. So which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? Yeah, I think email. Um, I want to give a shout out to email because I think it's, a, it's an unsung hero. Um, it's not flashy. It's not new. It's been around for, you know, like 30 years or something. It's direct and you own it. Um, it's a great space to really nail your tone of voice um, and speak directly to your customer, um, to, your, to your audience. I think there's something really valuable in that. You're not always chasing algorithms like you do with social media. Again, coming back to David Hyatt, um, his company Hyatt Denim, 
was uh, is a great example of this marketing uh, meetup. Recently, did a really great piece on how Hyatt create their email newsletters um, and how they have a really kind of expertly crafted personality. So I'd recommend that. Excellent recommendation too. I'm a big fan of any anything email. Uh, okay, Thomas, we're going to switch to you now for the tool top tip. This might be a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? So I'm going to give a really boring answer to begin with, and then I'll give a more interesting one just very quickly. I'll tuck cool. it onto the end. Um, the first is... Um, there are loads and loads of flashy new sort of team management and uh, workflow management pieces coming out, you know, from Asana to Monday uh, to well, various ones. But I actually think Google is just still super great at that. It has lots of sort of cool tools within it, um, but it's also super accessible. If you're using Google, you can use all of them and you can integrate all of them together. Um, so it might not be the newest on the block, but it does offer you everything you need. Um, but I feel like that's a bit of a cop out. So um, <laughs> my, my absolute top tool tip is a whiteboard. <laughs> um, Hugo particularly loves drawing everything out on a whiteboard. Um, and we have used it consistently to just flesh out ideas. Um, and, it, and it is really helpful. One of the most th the things I've been most jealous of in someone else's office is an entire whiteboard wall. Just, oh, that is absolutely in the plan for greener.co.uk oh, offices. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it might be controversial too. So let's move on to Thomas's answer to the growth top tip. If you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business from 100 orders per month to 1,000, what would be your number one tip for them? KYC, know your customer absolutely first and foremost. You need to know who they are, what they look for, where they're shopping, um, if you haven't done that, then you're just going to be sort of um, shooting out into the darkness and, and hoping you hit the right targets, which is doesn't work. And, and once you've done that, though, you can't just produce meaningless content. There's a lot of platforms um, and a lot of um, uh, channels um, and people on these channels producing the same content, which they can get any other of these profiles. So one thing that we've really made... Uh, uh, a real pivotal part of greener.co.uk is that it's worthwhile, it's meaningful, it's interesting, and there's thought behind it. Um, so we take the time to make sure that every piece of content that we release, um, every bit of marketing we release, whatever it is, speaks to our customer intrinsically and, and engages them rather than just something that they can go, that's a like and move on. Yeah, let's not just tick the boxes with the content. So easy just to go, oh, I need I need an, an article on X because everyone else has got one. But you do need to create those points of difference. Excellent work, guys. Uh, right, before we say goodbye, um, Thomas, I think you're going to let the listeners know where they can find um, Greener and you guys across the web and social. Yeah, so obviously our website, greener.co.uk, so G-R-E-E-N-R.co.uk, um, and then any social media at Shop Greener, um, and you can find us all there. Um, and I encourage you all to sort of reach out on LinkedIn as well, so Thomas Panton and Hugo Douglas-Dean, um, we're always willing to chat. And then lastly, if you're a consumer, you can sign up to our email list, again, coming back to email, um, and to get a cheeky discount when we launch in, in, a, in the summer. And if you're a business that sells great, cared-for, sustainable products, please do reach out. Come and sell on our platform. We'd love to talk to you. 
Excellent. Well, look, um, thank you both so much for coming on and sharing things in. Uh, as we record, you're just a couple of months away from launch. I can only imagine what your to-do list and how many things are written on that whiteboard. Um, so Hugo, thank you for being here. Thomas, thank you for being here. It's been awesome catching up with you both. Thanks very much. Bye. Thank you, Chloe. There you have it. Proof, if you needed it, that sustainability is no longer a USP. It's not a USP. It's probably not, almost certainly not your number one marketing message. If a sustainable marketplace is launching with the key message of buy better, then it's no longer about sustainability and time saving and helping and value. So make sure you're really, really clear on what your core message is and I think we are increasingly moving into this world where sustainability, whatever facet of it you are um, subscribing to in your business, is something you need to be putting out there so as people can double check it before they abandon your brand. Like that YouGov poll says, 70% say they'll abandon a brand who don't tick the right boxes for them. Really interesting discussion with the guys there. So you can get your hands on the notes from today's show, including the top tips and links to what we've mentioned by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, or you can use our new special director episode links. Just put ecmp.info forward slash episode number, whatever the number of this episode is, into the URL bar and you'll be redirected straight to the correct page. And yes, we've set this up for every single episode since 2015. So any episode you can do that for. Once you get to the website, you can also add yourself to our email list so you don't miss out on any of the many other things I share to help you improve your business. If you liked this episode, then um, make sure you check out our conversations with some of the other sustainable brands we've been having. There's loads of those if you scroll back, because um, that's what all we've pretty much all we've been doing this year. Plus, of note would be episode 370 when I'm talking to Adam Bastock about how to both embrace the path to net zero and run a successful e-commerce business, because they are not mutually exclusive. And 379, where we outline 10 simple ways to make your whole business more sustainable. Thank you so much for tuning into this and every episode that you do of the e-commerce master plan podcast. I bring you a new interview every week because I'm trying to inspire and help e-commerce business owners like you to succeed and thrive with your business, including progressing along that all important path to net zero. So if you know someone this show can help, please do tell them to listen to the e-commerce master plan podcast. I hope you have an excellent week and do not forget to keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast. If you're marketing an e-commerce brand, you already know that data changes everything. More data means more power. And if your email or SMS tools can't handle all that data, they're probably holding you back. That's where Klaviyo comes in. Its top-notch personalization and segmentation help you send the right message at the right time, guided by unlimited real-time data from your online store and tech stack. Request a demo at klaviyo.com forward slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan.